0: Good morning. morning amen it's good to see you all it's good to have you out. We had a great first service this morning already, and um, I was absolutely amazed at how many early risers there are in the church it's awesome we'll see how many late risers there are <laughs> I, um, I, I, we're continuing in our sermon series behind the curtain because again what, what, what's going on behind the curtain has, you know the the, the illustration that really hit me in my mind was the wizard of oz i showed you the picture a few weeks back where behind the curtain there was this little guy pulling all the strings and doing all this stuff that was influencing everything that was happening on the other side of the curtain but when the curtain was pulled back they found out that what was going on behind the curtain as much as it was influencing everything that was going around it was just a sad little old man who really had no power and authority once he was exposed. And that's where I want us to understand that that's what God desires, that's what God longs for with us, is that we would see what's going on behind the curtain so that we could realize the authority and the power that we have over those things that are influencing our culture and influencing the lives of of many around us and many of us, all of us. We're all influenced by the culture in which we live in. And so we have been looking at, in these last few weeks, we've been looking at, we we said WWED, what would Elijah do? Because what was going on in the days of Elijah, as I told you before, what happened in the Bible is not just what happened, it's what always happens. That's why God gives it to us. He tells us what will always happen. And what happened in the days of Elijah are happening in the days in which we live. So we can look at this and say, what's Elijah, what did he do? Because Elijah brought victory. Elijah stood up when everyone else wouldn't. Amen. And today we are in the days that are like the days of Elijah. I began in First Kings, talking about in First Kings chapter 11, just laying the backdrop for what would happen in the days of Elijah. That was where David was king. He was not allowed to build the temple because he was a man of war. And so Solomon, his son, was called to build the temple of God. What an honor. What an impressive, what a massive, what a beautiful structure that God had given him the design, the plan, and then the privilege of building. And Solomon did that. He did it exactly as the Lord said, so that God could be worshipped, so that God could be lifted up, so that God could be exalted, so that the people could be drawn and come to know him, come to that place of worship, right in the middle of Israel, of God's place here. And Solomon was told... Don't take foreign wives because they worship foreign gods. And if you do, they will pervert your purity. And Solomon didn't listen. And he took not just a couple wives. He took a whole bunch of them. Wasn't satisfied with 700 wives, so he took 300 concubines. And what God said would happen, and this again, please church, Realize this, what God says will happen will always happen. Amen. And God said, okay, if you do this, you're going to, your heart's going to be taken away, your heart's going to be pulled away. And Solomon, the wisest man ever, thought, not me, I'm too smart for that. Oh, come on. I thought that myself so many times. I'm too smart to fall for that as I get on my knees in repentance because I fell for that. And so um, uh, Solomon, he he builds the temple. He takes all these wives. His heart is torn. And and God says, I'm going to tear the kingdom. And that's what happened. The kingdom was torn in two. It was torn north and south. You had now Israel and Judah. And church, we live in a day today where the kingdom, and again, this is not replacement theology. This is just what happened then, happens now. It's happening here. It's happening in our our country. There's a tearing apart because of the way in which we have, like Solomon, we have gone after other gods. And today we're not divided north and south. We're divided right and left. We, again... And I don't want to, I say we are divided with the liberal conservative and there's a huge chasm in between. I don't want to make, I want to make sure that I say this, that 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 doesn't mean that, well, Christians and conservatives are all lumped together. There's a big difference between a Christian and a conservative. So we're divided in that way. And what happens in all of that is true Always. God creates and Satan counterfeits. Whatever God creates, Satan counterfeits. God's the only creator. He's the only one that can create. And Satan, all he can do is bring a counterfeit. But if you see, if there's something, if God created something, then Satan, he's going to bring a counterfeit. And and what I'm talking about specifically today, and I I brought this up last week, don't get hung up on a term, but I'm, I'm using it in this context. What we refer to as being woke is a demonic counterfeit of being born again. It's the counterfeit of that. And I will say this, church, Jesus said himself, you must be born again. You must be born again. Your only hope of heaven is to be born again. There are not many paths. There is one path. And Jesus is the way. There aren't many ways. He is the way. And he is the one who said, you must be born again. And if you're not born again this morning, there is still time because you can hear my voice. You can respond to the Spirit of God. And you can call on his name and ask him to come and to forgive you of your sins and live inside your heart. And he will. You must be born again. But... Here, this born again, what I'm talking about, means that, the, that we've been awakened by the Spirit of God. We've been awakened where the Holy Spirit who comes to reveal to us our sinful nature, our sinfulness, our fallen way. We've been awakened to the fact that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I can't do this. I've tried and I'm totally undone. I need a Savior. Being woke is the counterfeit and it means being awoken by a demonic spirit that awakens us, that enlightens us to the fact that, no, you know what, I'm a good person. No, I'm okay just the way I am. No, I'm gonna accept myself exactly as I am. We've been enlightened to the fact that we're good people. We're not sinners. And that you don't need Jesus. You go ahead and be your own Jesus. You be your own savior. And so in this counterfeit that Satan wants to bring in every single counterfeit he will try to bring into our lives this this leading to syncretism syncretism is when we take what God says is good and we begin to blend it together with God says with what God says is bad we begin to accept what God said okay God says this is holy and don't do this and we begin to try to blend them together as one and that is syncretism. We try to take what's good in the church and what is what we think is acceptable culturally but not biblically, and we begin to try to blend that together, forming our own religion. It's called syncretism. And this is what was happening in 1 Kings back in the days of Elijah as we're setting up for all of this. In 1 Kings chapter 16, it says in verse 30, and Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. And if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, the king of the Sidonians, who went and served Baal and worshipped him. You know, I said this last week, I want to say it again this week, that everybody worships something, I don't care who you are. I don't care what your theology is. Everybody worships something because God created you as a worshiper. And so we're all worshiping something. And if you are not worshiping, again, this should make sense, but if you're then not worshiping the one true God, the God of the Bible, the triune God, then you are worshiping a demon, little g-god. And it says, again, remember, this is the king of Israel. It goes on in verse 32 and says, he erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made an Asherah. He made an Asherah pole. As I told you last week, an Asherah pole was really, it was nothing more than a marquee that says, come have sex as a form of worship here. Because that's how they worship. That's how Asherah was worshiped. And the pole was nothing more. It was a phallic symbol that was used to draw people in to this kind of demonic worship. And remember, this is all happening in Israel. And he says, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. So what you see in Israel is you have the the worship, the temple worship being brought together with the worship of other gods, many gods, and it reveals itself in a syncretism. Blending together, making acceptable what is of God and what is of the culture and bringing them together. And church, I want you to see this. And again, I, if you weren't here last week, please go watch the sermon. Because whenever there is syncretism, What ultimately will happen, whenever there is syncretism, bringing together the the things of God that are acceptable and the things that are not acceptable, blending together, every single time it will lead to apostasy. It will always lead to that place where apostasy says that we're, we're people for God and we're people against God. We're people that accept what God says, and and we don't really believe what God says. And we begin to we fight for God, and when it doesn't and isn't convenient, we'll fight against God. That's apostasy. And church, we have the same problem today. The church is filled with all sorts of demonic or foreign worship, all sorts of problems. It's called syncretism. And let me just say that. And again, please, I say this lovingly. There are many of you that have have, have accepted that form of religion. Well, we take what's good of the church and we take what's good of the culture and we just blend it all together. And I'm telling you, what it sets the stage for is a great apostasy. Which means... The great, as Second Thessalonians chapter two talks, it means a great falling away from faith in Christ. And there will come, the Bible tells us, when tribulation happens and persecution start. In church, we have not even begun to be persecuted in America like persecution that will come. And if we have allowed ourselves to succumb to any form of syncretism in our worship, in our form of worship, in the way in which we worship, if we are accepting things that are, that are biblical and accepting things that God says are not okay, when that great persecution comes, there is going to be a tremendous tendency to fall away because our natural instinct is to fall to the side that's easiest. Amen? Yeah. I just, sir, love you. <laughs> love you. I want to tell you the truth about some of this. And please, church, understand, I, I, I'm not, what we're going to go into today. I, you know what? This is not a, Uh, man versus woman kind of topic today. This is a good versus evil topic. This is something that we have got to have, but the culture today has made it so difficult. Even that I feel that I need to give some of this precursor. Because what I want to talk about today is Ahab and Jezebel. Jezebel. All you visitors, so glad I came today. (laughs) Look, I mean, it's biblical. Do we avoid these topics because we don't like it? Or we don't always agree with it? Or we don't know how to rightly divide it? I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to walk through this and what you do with this is up to you. I'm not asking you to agree with everything I say. What I'm asking you to do is to be godly. And if we don't agree, it doesn't have to become divisive. What the enemy will want to do is create a division. He wants to divide. And there's always a place where, you know, there's always this desire to divide. You know, the church has always been divided. We're, you know what? We're divided, but we're, we're divided between the Baptists and the Pentecostals. You know, the, I mean, we've got all of these divisions in the body of Christ that are never intended to be. And today, the divisions have become even more widespread. They have become divisions between men and women. And it's not intended to be that way. And the sermon today is not intended to be that way. If you take it that way, you have given yourself in to your self-belief rather than what is biblical. Now, again, doesn't mean you have to agree with everything, okay? But I'm going to tell you what I feel the Lord laid on my heart. And I will tell you this, God laid this sermon on my heart long before you ever decided to come. So that means that God had something in store because you're not here because you decided to come. You're here because God brought you. Amen. Amen? Amen? So open your heart and open your mind and let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that God we would experience you in a powerful and a mighty way. That God, we would see you high and lifted up in our lives and accept, Lord, what you have to say. Take it, move in us. I open myself up to you, Lord God. If there's correction that needs to be made, Lord, I will not stand up on my high horse and refuse it. I just ask, Lord, that you would speak to me by your spirit. And God, if you can use a donkey, you can use that guy up on the stage. So Lord, speak loudly and clearly. I open my heart to you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So we're to talk about Ahab and Jezebel, and I'm going to talk more about this in the coming weeks. Ahab and Jezebel, they fly rainbow flags. Okay, I'll talk more about that, and I'll declare that, but again, these are things that I don't care what side of the eye you sit on. You know what? We should talk about it. I can't avoid these subjects, and, and these things are real. God created. He gave us the rainbow. Guess what Satan has done? He's counterfeited. So I'm gonna talk about that probably more next week or the week after. Josh will be here next week and we'll get into that. But what I wanna first talk about, I wanna talk about, as we set the stage for all these things that are going on, I wanna talk about this Ahab spirit and Jezebel spirit. Now, please, I understand you, that Ahab and Jezebel were, were people. He was a king named Ahab and he really historically existed and his wife was Queen Jezebel. She actually existed. So again, there was a man Jezebel, a man Ahab, a woman Jezebel, ancient king, ancient queen, and but working behind them, working in them, working through them, working on them, there were these demonic, these powerful demonic forces that were at work, and those demonic forces are continuing today. They are still at work. What was going on behind the curtain in that day is the same thing that was going on behind the curtain today. This isn't new. All, none of it is. The enemy's not that creative because he can't create. All he can do is continue to counterfeit and do the same thing over and over again. Amen. So the Bible tells us what always happened. And so we're looking at that. Now I want to first, Ahab, it says this about Ahab in, in 1 Kings 16.30. Ahab did evil. Ahab did evil. If you look up that word evil in the Hebrew, the word evil that's translated here as evil, the Hebrew word is also used to describe another story in the Bible about a king named Saul. And that evil word is translated, when it's describing what Saul was going through, that same word is translated as a demonic or a tormenting demonic spirit. So, again, Ahab was overcome with this demonic spirit. He was powerful because there was a spirit at work in him. It just wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was a demonic spirit. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord. He he gave in to that demonic spirit in the sight of the Lord, and he did more more evil than all of those who were before him. And then if you move ahead... You know, you come to 1 Kings chapter 21. And in 1 Kings 21 verse 25, it says, there was none. Church, there was none. You're looking at, at, at all these people and you're saying, there is none, God says, who sold himself to do what was evil. Who sold himself to this demonic, tormenting spirit in the sight of the Lord like Ahab. Whom Jezebel, his wife, incited. There is, in this world, there is no one, not a single person alive, not a person anywhere that has more influence in my life than my wife. No one. She's in preschool this morning helping back there, so I'm not pointing at her. him. <laughs> Just for the visitors to know. <laughs> My wife's back in the back. <laughs> and I actually have one. <clears throat> she is wonderful. <laughs> I just the point is is that, you know, my wife has a place in my life, a place in my ear, a place where she speaks that nobody else has. That that is a place of esteem. Uh, Let me say, she has a greater place, a greater voice in me as pastor in my life than any of you men do. I just don't want you to see this as a chauvinist kind of thing. I want you to see this as God has it. Because what Ahab did, he sold himself. And I don't know what kind of influence she had. All I know is she had influence. Influence. And she was influencing him. And he sold himself to to these demonic spirits, to all these things that were going on. And and he sold himself. I was reminded as he sold himself, I was reminded of, of Judas Iscariot, who sold himself to the devil for 30 pieces of silver. He made a deal with the devil. I just wonder if he knew it. Or was he just deceived? Because when somebody's deceived, they don't know they're deceived. So let me say this. Nobody's deceived, are they? Yeah, we just don't know it. So... The Ahab spirit, Jezebel spirit, as I'm calling them, I know there's many different names, many different, different teachings than what I'm going to bring on that. I understand that, but the Ahab spirit and the Jezebel spirit, they can work in anyone. They can work in a man. They can work in a woman. They can have they can have their way and, and do what they can in any. I will say that. Typically, like the Ahab spirit is typically gonna work in a man because again, let's face it, men and women are different. And therefore there's different tendencies and different characteristics and different things that I may find as a weakness that my wife doesn't. And so these spirits that are at work will have influence in me as an as a Ahab spirit. They just are more typically bound to men than they are to women. Doesn't mean they can't work in both. They absolutely can, just as the Jezebel spirit can. But from experience, Ahab tends to work in men. And I will, for the sake of the men, choose my words. Carefully. The Ahab spirit will cause men to be Passive. Weak, fearful, afraid, cowardly. But they don't know it. I think, again, the, these guys make me more angry than many other guys will <laughs> because they don't do anything. And that's the problem. That's the problem. Look, evil does not stop itself. Evil will never stop itself. Evil in our world will never just stop. It will never do that. Our nation, evil will never stop. In our country, in our city, in our church, in you, evil will never stop until we make it stop. Evil will continue. Yet, there's Ahab men who won't do anything. And those who are passive to not step up and stop the evil that God has ordained you and called you and empowered you to stop, you are complicit with that evil. I, uh, I, I once had a, a counseling, a young lady, their family came to our church. It was, years, it was back where I came from. And they came in and sat down for some counseling. And this young lady, this teen girl, who was a part of our church, started to share how she had been repeatedly sexually assaulted by a boyfriend that she had that was a, an unchurched, ungodly boyfriend. And she's describing what happened to her. And she's getting more and more angry. And she's getting more and more angry with her dad. And he kind of looks at me like, and I'm like, oh, don't look at me. <laughs> and he says, I don't know why she's so angry. I didn't do anything. Exactly, you Ahab. Look, men who say nothing are a problem. Men who do nothing are a problem. Men who stand for nothing are a problem. Men who allow anything are a problem. An Ahab spirit will cause men, and, and I, again, I will show you in the weeks to come, they, an Ahab spirit will cause men to become passive. Passive will cause men to become effeminate, will cause men, and again this is, will cause men to become castrated, neutered, ineffective, weak, fear-filled, avoiding confrontation, avoiding responsibility, And especially avoiding spiritual responsibility. Not taking the responsibility that they have as a spiritual leader in every one of the places that God's called them to be that spiritual leader. And that's a problem. It's passivity. And the Ahab spirit is what will cause people to be passive and the ahab spirit again the spirit can cause a person a man woman anybody but it can cause a person you know say a man to be uh, this ahab spirit will cause him to become passive at work but usually the spirit is not necessarily at work the spirit most shows itself obviously to manifest in the home and in the church I know all you guys were thinking, wait a minute. I thought this was supposed to be you're not supposed to be getting on us. <laughs> Sorry. I will say this. I, I will say I believe that we have a uh, we have more of a problem with an Ahab spirit than we do the Jezebel spirit. And all the men said amen. <laughs> A guy usually in this position, where he has uh, he's he's under the influence of this spiritual force, normally uh, will have a wife that is controlling, a wife that is dominating, a just di- contr- a Jezebel. And again, I'll talk about that. Maybe she responds in controlling ways. Maybe she can speaks words into his life that shouldn't have been spoken things that, as truth that are not truth and she uses her influence to bring him into a place of, of just wrong thinking again not succumbing to the spirit and what happens is in Ahab's spirit loves to be in leadership they're weak and passive but that's the way they act at home. At church, I want to be in the leadership position. I want to be on the board. I want to be in the inner place. I want to be involved in all these leadership places. I, I, want, to, I want to be that. I mean, you will find that men that are under the influence of an Ahab spirit love to go to seminary, love to go be taught the Bible, love to go, ta- they want to know all these places where we can begin to you know, trick them. Knowing enough Scripture to be dangerous. Knowing how to twist the Scriptures and manipulate the Scriptures to mean what they want so that it confuses people. And they love to run the church. They love to be on the board. They love to be all these things. There are those, I mean, they just want to be the pastor. People sitting out in the congregation, not this one, Just wishing they were, you know what? If I was the pastor, I wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be handling this way. I, I'd be telling the people how much God just loves them. Do what you want. God loves you. God will cover everything and anything you want to do with the love. You, you want to be the pastor? You want to be, you know what? <clears throat> Praise God. The Ahab spirit didn't make you very smart. Look, if Satan can get an Ahab into church leadership, then the battle has been won because when evil comes, when the wolf in sheep's clothing comes, those leaders won't stand up and shepherd. They will not stand up and fight. They will surrender. They will not proclaim, thus saith the Lord. They will begin to negotiate with demonic entities Ahab is alive and well. And it's a passivity. And a passivity that works in concert with this Jezebel spirit. Amen? Amen. Let me just now tell you a little bit about Jezebel. Jezebel was a woman. Again, please, she was an absolutely, she was a woman. An individual woman. That working through her, there was powerful demonic entities, forces from hell. And, Again, they are working today. And, and I'll, you know, I'll prove it to you. They lived, Jezebel and Ahab were the king of Israel and they were the kings 3,000 years ago. That's when all this story was happening. It was 3,000 years ago. And so you got 3,000 years ago. And then 1,000 years after that, which is when Christ came. 1,000 years after Christ, he came, he lived, he died, he arose, he went to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit, and he began to bring revelation. And he anointed men and women to to, to write the Bible, to give us the Scripture. And so as the Holy Spirit is bringing these anointings and this inspiration to men, there was a man on the island of Patmos. And God began to bring revelation to him. And he wrote a book, so, just so-called Revelation. And in Revelation 2, Jesus, he, through, through John, he, in, in the book of Revelation, Jesus says, and he's speaking to the church at Thyatira. And listen, any church, any church who tolerates Jezebel is a church at Thyatira. He says, I have this against you. You tolerate. You tolerate. All you need to do, if you want a Jezebel spirit to run loose and overtake your your life, your family, your church, is tolerate it. Tolerate it. You tolerate what? That woman, Jezebel. Now, this is Revelation. This is obviously a different woman. Okay, I'm smart enough to know that. A thousand years later, it's a different woman. Now, I, in most commentaries, everything that I read, said, you know what? This was probably not her real name. Just because nobody in the church named their kids Jezebel. Jezebel. <laughs> So more than likely wasn't her name, I don't know. I, you know what, And whatever your thoughts on that, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't change what I'm talking about. It's the same name, the same spirit, the same named spirit. It's this Jezebel spirit that's working in and through a woman. Who, whether she's, her name was Jezebel or not, it's working through this woman who got herself into the church. And I will say, she got herself into this place of church leadership because all of the men, especially the male leaders, were a bunch of Ahabs. And again, you've probably been to some churches like that. And I, and I want to be very, very clear. This is not, again, I, I'm not being sexist here. We absolutely love women. We absolutely love children. We love them and we want them to be cared for. It sickens me the way that some of our, the, our, our, our wives and some of our children are treated. It's not right. There is a biblical way in which God has called us as men to lead and to be that person that would take care and protect for our family, not dominate them. Listen, if you're dominating and domineering your wife and your children and thinking they need to submit to you because you're the boss and everything you say goes, you are walking in syncretism and you are not far from apostasy God never called us to teach to treat our wives, to treat women to treat women, our children that way, ever and so I am not advocating for men to rise up in that place of authority, I'm calling for men to rise up in a biblical place of authority and be biblical men of God who are willing to lay down their lives like Christ laid down his life for the church Guys, when's the last time you washed your wife's feet? I know. (laughs) You might as well all leave mad. (laughs) No, this is good news. This is good news. This can change everything. And again, he's called us to serve. So that's what I'm talking about. Do you know what the Jezebel spirit wants to do? The Jezebel spirit hates women. It hates children and wants to do what her father does and rob, kill, steal, and destroy them. And God has called godly men to rise up and to stand in the gap in their authority and to protect them, to care for them, and to do what he's called us to do. Yeah, we're not doing it the way God's called us to do it, and so women don't like that because we're a lot of names come to mind. We act like Beavises. Look, I'm just I'm just saying look do not I d I don't I don't want to see weak men letting Jezebel spirits children. So, I want men of God to rise up. As well as women of God. Please don't. It's sad I have to say that. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. She must have gone to Bible school, had a degree, was qualified. She had it together, so everyone thought, anyway. except for the Holy Spirit. And it says she's a prophetess and is teaching. Again, they love to teach, love to bring people to their side, bring people to where they are, bring people to what they're doing. And if they can't teach, they will begin a vlog. And if they can't get people to come to their vlog, they'll go on social media and start making posts. Drawing people to that place of rebellion. Because she's teaching and seducing my servants to practice what? Sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. Hmm. Isn't that exactly? I talked about this last week. That's exactly what they were doing in their syncretism worship. Because to worship Asherah was to walk in sexual immorality in the church as a form of worship. And then they sacrificed their children on the altar. That's what they did. In church, she's seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality, to to take what was of God and what was not of God and to bring them together. She was teaching them syncretism. Please see that. I I hope that God will bring this revelation that we can see that because this is what is happening, syncretism. And then it says in verse 21, and I love this. I gave her time to repent. I am so thankful that God did not bring judgment when I deserved judgment to come, but God gave me grace and he gave me time to repent. And he has given you time to repent. And every day his mercies are renewed and he gives me a fresh opportunity to walk in the light, to come out of the darkness, to repent of my sin, to repent of my thoughts, to be transformed and to be changed through this power of repentance. Look church, repentance, other than salvation, repentance is the greatest gift God ever gave us. Yet there's so many even today thinking, how dare he say I need to repent? He gave her time to repent. But she refused to repent of her sexual immorality or her syncretism, her foreign worship. She, he, she refused. And behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her, those who, who join with her, those who become one with her, I'll throw them onto a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless, unless they repent of their works. You know, I'm just going to ask you Have you been entertaining a Jezebel spirit? A spirit that wants to make you just fight any kind of authority? Do you have friends that you're hanging with that you you know are a Jezebel? Don't just oh no. Because God is giving you time to repent. And then he tells you what will happen if you don't. So again, I'm not trying to point my finger at anybody. I'm not. I've walked through this myself as I've been preparing all this. And and, and again, you know how I, I walked through this? On my knees in repentance. Yeah. Because I found myself so many times influenced in so many different ways, being led in so many different ways. I mean, there was a Jezebel spirit that was trying to get me to stop this. Now again, I'm not saying it was coming from anyone in particular, but it was a place where it was just like this fearfulness that just did not want me to and the Ahab spirit that wanted to just go ahead and can't we just bring a nice comfy sermon? We need to Repent. Repent. Because verse 23 says, and I will strike her children dead. Again, he's not talking about her children. He's talking about her followers in that day. That's what they called followers, were children. And they would be sentenced to tribulation and death. But God gave a way out. Idolatry, compromise, Biblically, they are always pictured as fornication and unfaithfulness to the marriage vows. That's the way God, that's the way He compares them. And and all the churches will know that I am He who searches mind and heart. You know what? God is the only one that's able to look inside of you. Now He's not talking about searching what you want everybody to think or what you're trying to make everyone think, or how you're trying to present yourself to everyone around you, or how you're trying to come, you know, again, I I, I use the example, you know, that super Christian costume. We go into our closet on Sunday morning and we get on our clothes and we bust out super Christian. go to church and then we go home and we take off our super Christian costume put on the old self. God searches the mind and heart. He sees right through our costumes. And he says, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you, Thyatira, God, praise God. He always, he always keeps a remnant. Amen. He always preserves a remnant. I love that. As for the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who do not give in to this place of syncretism, who don't continue to walk close to being in a, an apostasy, he says, those who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, please understand what I'm talking about. This is not a shallow issue. These are deep things of Satan. To you, I say, I do not lay any other burden. Praise God. So Jezebel Jezebel was, I I mean, I just think about Jezebel and how attractive she was and how how, uh, alluring she must have been and how evil she was. In church, there are evil women, just like there's evil men. There, are, there, are, there is evil that is out there. And this woman, Jezebel, in 1 Kings, it says her dad's name was Ethbaal. Ethbaal he was a Sidonian king. He was a high priest of Asherah, which meant that he was a high priest of this kind of worship that involved sexual immorality and sacrificing children. And this is her dad. He worshiped a demon god. And this family... It was a generational legacy of demonic worship, of, the, of supporting a cult. And now you have them coming together and marrying the people of God. Joining together and becoming one. Her father's name, F Ephbaal, it met with Baal. Enjoying the favor and the protection of Baal. And just like the Holy Spirit anoints some families generationally, so does the spirit of Baal. And Jezebel, her name means unhusband, or, or Baal is my prince. Which literally what it meant is, it, in her name it meant she was unhusband. I Meaning, I'm not committed to my husband. It doesn't matter what my husband says, I'm gonna do what I want, and if I have to choose between them, I will choose my God. Means I'm not committed to my husband, I'm committed to my demon. Where is she at? Where do you find Jezebel? She was in church. That's where she was. Jezebel, Jezebel goes to church. Jezebel leads in the church. Jezebel serves in the church. I, I, see, Jezebel causes hell in the church. And should an Elijah stand up and say no? Then Jezebel becomes a victim. And what happens to a victim? A victim, the poor victim. Oh, I can't believe the way they've mistreated me. All of a sudden, they've got a platform. Because that's what we do with victims today, is we give them a platform. And so Jesus, he shows up and he finally says, let me, let me tell you what my verdict is. No, do not tolerate her. Do not tolerate this spirit. Do not give in to that. Amen? Amen? Oh what Jesus was telling her. And and you know what? He's showing us in all this. If you don't tolerate a Jezebel, there will be a price to pay. You will have to pay a price. There will be an attack that will come. There will be, there will be pickets and threats and all sorts of things that may come against you as people stand up and say, no, you know what? That is so I guarantee you, you know. It will happen. Same demon, just a different day. And again, it can be male or female. It can be an attack that can come on either one. It can be a man or a woman that's attacked by this Jezebel spirit. Absolutely. But it causes somebody to become just so fiercely independent that they reject every kind of authority and they won't come under any kind of authority. Exercising the supernatural authority that they now are smarter than everyone else. They know better than everyone else. And it comes through the demonic realm. And they become scheming. And they are controlling. And they are threatening. And if that doesn't work then they begin to manipulate you and try to work through manipulating you personally if that doesn't work then they'll throw a fit and try to bring confusion to you where you begin to think well man did I make a mistake was I wrong there maybe that wasn't so bad should I have called them a Jezebel if that doesn't work they will attack you personally come against your character Assault you personally. And if that doesn't work, they'll go on social media and start making posts so they can gather together all the Jezebels they can find and create a mob that comes against you. Jezebel spirit hates the Elijah spirit because the Elijah spirit is the Holy Spirit. That's why the Elijah spirit went to Elijah, that's why the Elijah spirit went to John the Baptist. And Jezebel hates the Elijah spirit. Do you know why, in in the scripture, you know why Jezebel hated Elijah? Because he would not tolerate her. He said no. In church, sometimes you just have to say no. Sometimes you just need to stand up and say, no, that's not right. Sometimes you need to stand up in the authority that you have in the power of God's word and declare, no, this is what God says. There's a time to stand up. There is a time to walk away. There is time to break off a relationship. Amen. And I'm not talking about your marriage. Doesn't mean that Jezebel's spirit won't be at work there, but there's a place where we as men and women need to stand up and begin to take authority over these spirits that God has given us the authority over. To pull back the curtain and see that it's just really a weak little man pulling the strings and he's got no authority over us, no power over us, no ability over us, and we can stand in the name of Jesus and declare, thus saith the Lord. And we begin to stand up and take the authority that we have been completely laying down. but some of you won't have that conversation some of you just will not enter into that conflict some people are just not willing to draw the line to hold the boundaries that the word of God gives us we just won't you're tolerating though you're tolerating and, and I'll wrap this up with this. Tolerance is demonic. Tolerance is demonic. He says, I have sinned in, in Revelation 2.20. I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. And, and you know what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5? Paul, the Apostle Paul in verse 21, he says this. He says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality. Now there's a letter to the church There is sexual immorality. He's he's saying, basically, he's saying, you guys have given into this syncretism and you have brought this kind of demonic worship into the church and begun to combine it with the worship of the one true God and think you're being holier than thou. You've You've been in sexual immorality. Look, anywhere the Jezebel spirit is tolerated, not repented of, sexual sin will begin to be tolerated and then begin to be embraced. And so there was sexual immorality and and of a kind that is not tolerated even among the pagans. For a man has his father's wife. the, The spiritual realm wants to get the church in a place where the church is more perverted than the culture. Even the culture knew that that was unacceptable. But the church thought because it was a part of their worship that it was okay. The church gets worse than the culture. There are denominations like that. Denominations that are abominations. And tolerance is not acceptable. Tolerance is not accepted in the word of God. It's always negative. It's always called to be repented of, not to be celebrated. Because tolerance is the counterfeit of repentance. Repentance that's why it says in Revelations 2 Jesus says you have tolerance but what you need is repentance what you're doing is tolerating you need to start repenting where's your repentance see the Bible tells us God is good amen Amen. tells us that God is good and we're not hate to burst any bubbles he is good and only he is good and we're not the word of God is right we're not The Word of God is true. We're not. The Word of God is good, and our behavior is bad. Our behavior is wrong, and the only way to reconcile those things is not to blend them, but to repent of them. Not to become accepting of it, but to repent of our sin. The Lord Jesus Christ, listen, He lived a perfect life, and He did it for you. He did it for you because He knew you couldn't do it. And he came into this world. He lived a perfectly sinless life. He died for those sins. He died a sinner's death so that you and I, when he was resurrected from the grave, when he was ascending unto the heavens, when he went to that place, that he could now forgive us of the sin that he conquered and to give us the authority over the devil that he demonstrated. And without that, church, you have no power and authority. And because there's this difference, you're not not called to apologize I mean, we, we need to say, yes, Lord God, I am sorry. To own up for what we've done. But church, we're called to repentance. Yes. Turning around, turning away, letting our lives be changed. Receiving him as Lord and Savior in our lives. And church, we come to him just as we are. We don't clean up so we can come to Jesus. We come to Jesus because we need cleaning up. We come to Jesus just as we are and then he loves us too much to leave us that way. So he sends the Holy Spirit into our life and the Holy Spirit comes in. He begins to convict us in regards to sin and begins convicting us in regards to righteousness and he begins to lead us into this place of transformation. Church, because there's something wrong with us. Our flesh is filled with sinful nature and there's a battle that will always rage. Tolerance says, oh, don't don't worry about it. You're good you got a good heart. That's not biblical. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Your life, you should be celebrating your life, not letting it be transformed. You don't need Jesus. Be your own Jesus. Tolerance says, you're perfect just the way you want to be. And, and it's infecting the church. Let me show you what that looks like. Now again, I did not put this picture up there so that we could make fun of or laugh at, not at all. I put this up there for a point. This is the first non-binary priest that was anointed into the Church of England. Church of England, 25 million people, members of the Church of England in the UK, 85 million worldwide are a part of the Church of England. And this is their first non-binary priest. Tolerance is the counterfeit of repentance. And I'm sorry, I know this is not culturally correct to say. That shouldn't be tolerated, that should be repented of. In church, any church that's involved in that kind of doctrine is an apostate cult. And they have stepped away from the spirit of God and are adhering to the doctrines of demons. Now, I believe with all my heart that even in this, in this church, God has preserved a remnant. A number that will not bow their knee to Baal and will not give in. But for now, do you know that that's not enough, though? What's also now happening in the Church of England, and this is the progression that's happening, is that not only are they, is it not enough to embrace and, and bring in a non-binary priest, but now they have given people permission when they pray to God, they can pray in the name of the father or the mother. So it's not enough to have a non-binary priest. Now, we have to have a counterfeit, non-binary God. Which means Jesus was close. Jesus was, he almost had it right. He needs a little correcting, but Jesus, he was almost right when he said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's apostasy. Jesus does not need correcting we do worship team come on back up and I'm, i'm gonna close you know this is where the culture is and this is where the culture is leading the church and if you don't think that the culture is having an influence in the church man you're sadly mistaken and jesus says this to the church i have this against you you tolerate Look, I want to end this by saying this. It's time to stop tolerating and start repenting. It's time to stop hiding our face in fear and start rising up in faith. It's time to stop being silent and start speaking out with the voice that God has given us. Thus saith the Lord in the culture in which we live. It's time to stop being weak and timid and afraid and start rising up asking the Holy Spirit for the boldness that He will give us in the day and age in which we live. In these days of Elijah, we need the spirit of Elijah, the spirit of Elijah to come and to bring those that are called Called out of hiding. It's time for the church to stop hiding between the walls of the church and start going out, as we say every week, and being the church. Go being a voice. Go holding back evil. Standing against wickedness. Standing for what God says and declaring thus saith the Lord. Taking our places as the ambassadors of the kingdom of God that have been sent here with reasons and purposes. So Let me ask you this question. Where are the Elijahs? Where are the Elijahs? They're sitting all through this place. Because that is who you are. And that is what God has given you. And it's time to realize it. Stop being what you're creating yourself to be. And be who God created you to be. Amen? Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord God, let resurrection power be poured out in this place. I pray, Lord God, that you would bring the lost home, that you would go to the sinner and bring forgiveness. I pray, Lord God, that you would cause those who have have never experienced you in a born-again way, that, God, they would experience that born-again experience even now. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would cause men and women to be filled with your spirit and to arise, to come out of the dust and the muck and the mire and begin to rise up as David and be the man that God has called him to be to be the women that God has ordained you to be to stand up with the voice the voice of triumph the voice of victory the voice of overcoming the voice Lord God that's not going to walk in fear and though they slay my life I shall know you for eternity for my God my God is an awesome God and he will keep that which has been put into his hand So, Lord God, I pray for the church to arise, for the church to be the church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Where are the Elijahs? I appreciate you being here at our first 10 o'clock service. Amen. Our first 12 o'clock service is starting in about 15 minutes. If you're still here at that time, we lock the doors and you have to stay again. Thank you all. God bless you. I love you. Have a beautiful day. Come on, let's sing this as we go.